You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 1994 film, Hoop Dreams. So, you know, we've... In the past, you know, when opening day in baseball a couple years ago, we did Eight Men Out. And yep. opening day in football last year, we talked about the Junction Boys, about the Paul Bear Bryant at Texas A&M. Hockey this year, we talked about net worth, about the unions and Ted Lindsay. But we have not done a basketball movie, and that's not a, a snide comment on basketball either. I like basketball, but do we just we kind of have to get around it. So it's March Madness, and we finally decided to do a basketball yes. movie. This yes. is the 1994 documentary. This is not a narrative film. It's a documentary, Hoop Dreams. And this uh, tells the story of two uh, African-American kids in Chicago in the late 80s, early 90s. William Gates and Arthur Agee, and they both have dreams of being big NBA stars. The first thing we see is them both watching the NBA All-Star Game in Chicago. Yep. We see Michael Jordan making his big crazy dunks, and but they're also looking at particularly uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas, even though he played for the Pistons, and the Pistons and Bulls had that really nasty rivalry at this time. Isaiah Thomas was a hometown kid from Chicago, and they want to go to the high school he went to, St. Joe's, and that is um, a, in a suburb of Chicago. Yeah, they, private Catholic school. Private Catholic, and they have yeah. a very, because of Isaiah Thomas, but they have a very prestigious basketball program one of the big powerhouses in the state of illinois yeah um they both go there we see them attending the summer camp and one of the guys they see is isaiah thomas arthur ag one of the kids he even has a little one-on-one with him yeah they both they both have dreams of being like being this and they um their freshman year edgy makes the freshman team he does not make the varsity but he's on freshman and he does well, but Gates is becoming a phenom. Yeah. Even in his freshman, people are saying he is the next Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And he's actually doing prospering very well. His grades are doing very well. Yeah. But AG is struggling. His grades are dropping. And since he is not the big phenom Gates is, he eventually has to be let go. And there's also trouble. They're changing his payments on his tuition to the school, and that is struggling to make the payment, so eventually he has to leave, and he goes to John Marshall High School. It's near the inner city, because this yeah. is out there. Both Gates and Agee have to make like a three-hour trek, yeah. like there's trains and buses, just to get there. Just to get to St. Joe's. He moves, and his grades keep struggling, but 
Gates, particularly his first two years, is just growing and growing in popularity. His grades are doing well, but also because everybody's just seeing, like, there was a, a local Chicago sports talk show. Mm-hmm. One guy's, you know, he's like the almost prototypical crusty sports writer with the cigar in his mouth. He's got the Chicago wax in. Yeah. But he's saying, this kid's, good. mark my words, this kid is going to be the next Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. So he has all of this pressure on him. Everybody's expecting them to go to state, you know, be be the big state champs. Yeah. He has all this, but they're also helping him out. Like, he needs tutors. They give him the best. He has this job with uh, Tanika on the, like, stocking film and stuff, giving him money. Yeah. And they're also sponsoring him, making yes. sure he makes the payments. They're giving him everything because they see how talented he is. Yes. At basket. But after sophomore year, that's when things kind of change for Gates. He gets a knee injury, and in junior year, we can see him in practice, and he's just, you can tell he's not 100%. He has, uh, like, bracings and stuff on his knee while he's doing sprints, but he's slowing down. And eventually, he has to miss most of the season. You can see, because everybody sees how talented he is, he's getting top-notch treatment. He is seeing the doctors and trainers that the Bulls see. Any major sports athlete... He's seeing their same trainers. And, but we follow A.G. at this time as well. He's changed, but you can see he's just not making the payment. His family's having trouble making the payments. They're, his mom's on welfare. There's His father, Bo, is separated. There's Apparently, he's been abusing his mom, and he's also becoming hooked on drugs. Yeah. And it's been very difficult for him. And there's also this problem that... As far as him being able to graduate with the grades, St. Joe's is not releasing his transcripts until they pay make the back payments on the tuition. Yes. And that's hurting him. He that's may not really help hurting him at Marshall. It really is. Yes. You can see, and then the most one of the most heartbreaking scenes is William Gates. He wants to come back and people are sort of telling him maybe you should just take the year off, but he wants to be back in time for the team makes it to the playoffs. Yeah. And this one game in the playoffs, there's this team they're always playing that they just can't quite beat. Yeah. Gates is playing, but you can see... He's tentative. Yeah, he's just not quite there yet. Yeah. The the knee is still not fully healed. And it gets to this big uh, showdown at the end. He's got to make two free throws. They're down by one. He's got two free throws. Hardly any time left. He's got to make at least one to tie it and send it to overtime. He misses both, yeah. and it's just so heartbreaking because you can see him crying yeah. at the end of the game, and he, the team's out of the playoffs, and his season's over. Yeah, Now it just comes down to his senior year. And you can also see that his coach, Gene Pignator, who's mm-hmm. this long, it's you know like your Bobby Knights and your Coach Ks, these guys who've just been at one place for so long, yeah. Tom Izzo. And you can see him really riding him. He makes a wrong play in practice. He's screaming and yelling at him. He's even cursing at him. Yeah. It's, there's tensions between them because he's expecting him to be as great as he was those first two years, and that knee is just he's not quite there yet. Yeah. In his senior year, the team is underperforming. They, make, they get to the playoffs, but they have face another early exit. And that is the end of William Gates' career, but he's still getting offers. Everybody's expecting him because he goes to a summer camp in his June before his senior year where, like, you see Rick Pitino, you see Bobby Knight. Particularly the coach for Marquette is taking a very strong interest in him. So he still has that potential. But A.G., his senior year, is finally sort of having a breakout year. Junior year, his first year at Marshall, they didn't do very well, but 
they're outperforming everybody's expectations as senior year. They make it. I don't think they make it to states. They're going to where uh, University of Illinois plays. They're on a big roll. AG's the big star on the team. Yeah. And even though because of his struggles, he's not going to be in his great struggles. He's not going to be able to make it to uh, four year university, but he's going yeah. to junior college yep. with the chance to go to maybe some sort of mid major after for two years. And coaches are taking note and things are getting better. It seems somewhat for him. Yeah. Yes. Eventually at the end of the movie, both of them are able to graduate. They both struggle. William Gates makes it to Marquette university. But you can see, just with the injuries and his strained relationship with the coach, he's kind of, you can see at the end of the movie, he's sort of lost that love for basketball. Yeah. But A.G. seems like he's going to be okay. He's in a community college, and he's playing basketball, but he even knows that there's not a lot of black people at that college. Most of them are just on the basketball team, and they all just stay together in this little yeah. kind of dorm-like place. Yeah. It's a ve- This is a... I remember Roger Ebert said that this was the greatest film of the 1990s, narrative or documentary. Yeah. And uh, this is a great movie. It glanced over a lot, but it tackles a lot of themes, I think. Yeah, it does. Not just about the sport of basketball. Not at all, no. And what I found very unique about it, and as far as I know, it's the first of its kind, to borrow a term from research uh, terminology, it's probably the first documentary that's a longitudinal study, so to speak. It, 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 it's, it follows not only its two main characters for that uh, better part of four years, but their families as well. And in the pro- and the, the cast of supporting characters, the coaches, the, the, the uh, donors, and so forth. So it ends up being a very compelling um, portrayal of the... Uh, system that is uh, high school athletics and what really struck me with it and I knew to some extent high school athletics was like this but I thought uh, I was more aware of uh, it from the football aspect um, where uh, schools hire and kind of put on retainer uh, scouts that will travel to uh, areas far removed from the actual schools and um, be scouting talent at playgrounds and uh, basketball courts and so forth. And that's how this film opens up with one of these scouts, Earl Smith. Earl Smith, yep. And he's looking at A.G. And he says some very prescient words. He says, in four years, you're going to know about this guy. And he was absolutely right. And at that time, A.G. had just graduated from eighth grade. He's only like 12, 13 12, years 13 old. 12, 13 years old. He's a, uh, I did not know the, the extent of this uh, system. Uh, uh, in basketball, but I guess that was kind of naive. I knew it was in football, and in particular places like Texas, obviously. Um, they, they will very often do that. Um, not only private schools, but public schools will go, go shopping around for players. And so you have this very interesting uh, 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 portrayal of, of a very transactional relationship that exists between the players and their families on the one hand and the uh, schools and the coaches on the other hand and then the alumni and the supporters on the kind of the third part of that triangle and it's all very uh, ethically charged I think because uh, um, clearly the, the 
schools are, are wanting to use these talented kids to burnish their images and uh, 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 attract alumni and donor money. When you have winning, as colleges know, I mean, this is something also that I was very much more aware of with colleges. Um, when you have winning athletic programs, uh, that attracts money. So uh, they have that vested interest on that side with doing this, but then you clearly also see it on the side of the kids and uh, the fathers. I mean, the two kids kind of naively expect to or hope to, and I guess there's nothing wrong with hoping, but uh, you have to be realistic as well, hope to make the NBA at some point. And so they see this opportunity to go to this school as a stepping stone in in that direction. And uh, at least early on, they don't really care about the uh, the academics that much. They're, they're clearly in it for a transactional reason, too. Uh, the parents, on the other hand, are more interested in the academics, I think, um, although they're kind of hoping that their their sons hit, hit it big as well in basketball. So they, fi- they figure, you know, might as well um, uh, help them approach success on more than one avenue at the same time and increases their odds. And then you do see a little while later as the kids mature and they begin to kind of see the, the – uh, just the sheer amount of competition there is out there for uh, entry into college uh, as a basketball uh, athlete, and then certainly uh, the next level up at the NBA, that uh, it's a tall order. There's a lot of talented t- kids they're going after, going up against from other schools that I'm sure have also been recruited to go to those other schools as well. Uh, so they start to get a little, at least, uh, I think. Um, um, Arthur Agee does, but I think they both do. They get a little bit more realistic at some point. And, and, and you have to give uh, William Gates a lot of credit. He gets, a little, gets realistic to the point where he starts taking his academics very seriously. And uh, they report, and it's really kind of heartwarming to see it. The, the faculty at the school, the St. Joe's there, reports, you know, and he came in with a fourth or fifth grade uh, education level, reading level, and he turned it around in the space of about a year. Now, A.G. never did. A.G. never did. Um, but um, you can see over the course of the four years on this long- during this longitudinal film that they, they mature and they realize, you know, uh, I, I have to temper my expectations. And that they start to think it's, it's perhaps more realistic to be able to make a college program. Uh, that's all I'm really shooting for. And uh, it's, a, it's sad in the case of Gates, as you mentioned, though. Uh, he, he, he lowers his sights. He gets more realistic. He does make a college program after taking the ACT, I think, four times to get the uh, appropriate score to get into Marquette, which is no easy business, by the way. Um, still, um, after having three arthro- arthroscopic surgeries, I believe, at that point, um, mm-hmm. you can see, you're right, he's lost the drive. And... I don't think he ever got past the point of being tentative on that knee either. That's very hard athletes to tell you over and over again after injuries. There's just some some guys that they just – it's always in the back of their mind, I'm going to hurt it again, I'm going to hurt it again. They, they are, they're always thinking about what they're doing instead of just doing without thinking, and that affects their performance uh, along with the physical uh, uh, changes that occur even with surgery. You're less than optimal 
right? So he's kind of recognizing all that and seeing that. And he, I guess he became fairly despondent. He dropped out of Marquette after, I think, a year and a half. I think he um, quit the basketball team, and he was considering leaving college. But after encouragement, they... That's right. He, he, he encouraged he him. He did yeah. stay, and he got back on the basketball team. But he was never like the big, huge star yeah. that they expected him to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you talk about that. It was just that was always interesting to me because you always hear about you know college recruits going to high schools everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. You're seeing like you know basketball. You want to play for North Carolina. You want to play for Michigan State. You want to play for all these big schools. Same thing in football. But it's interesting. This is high school. Like They're going to like middle school aged kids and putting this big thing like, we want you to play for St. Joe's. I mean, St. Joe's might as well be a Duke or a North Carolina, the way they treat them. You can see how, because the coach... A.G., his second coach after he – because he never plays for Pignator, the coach at St. Joe's, but he coaches he plays under for Luther, the freshman team. Luther yes. Bedford when he tra- – yeah. league is Mar- John Marshall. Yeah. Bedford says, like – Bedford is completely realistic He's like, if he was good enough as William Gates, he would still be at that school. Yeah. Whatever great problems he's had, they would have done something to make sure he was still at there because he's, yeah. he's too valuable an asset for them. But he wasn't, and that's why he's here. And you can see how much they treat William Gates like because he's such a valuable asset to them for their program. Like, yeah. like I said, he's going to Chicago. He's going to see the Chicago Bulls doctor. Yeah, he is. He's they're getting, covering these surgeries for him. Well, yeah, and he's getting a, a full ride, essentially a full ride scholarship from a couple that are the CE the, the, the sponsors. The sponsors are uh, the the people that run uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Right, and they've essentially promised him a full ride scholarship all the way through high school, and I think, I think Bedford comes off very, uh, very well in this film. Uh, he's the guy that's working in the uh, uh, the hard scrabble public school system. He's been there for years and years and years, and coaching these kids not only in basketball but in life, and he recognizes. I think you're right the uh, almost cynical nature of St. Joe's and, and, uh, you know, watching this film as a philosopher, it really, it really brings to mind uh, one of the uh, uh, formulations of uh, German philosopher, Immanuel Kant, famous for uh, 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 his system of ethics in, in a very uh, uh, intimidating sounding uh, terminology. He, he says there's a, a you know, a, a categorical imperative uh, that uh, he uses that terminology to basically talk about moral obligations. And one of the formulations he gives of the categorical imperative, it's kind of a, a warning, a stern warning that you should never use other people as mere means to your own ends. You have to, you have to be giving them a proper amount of respect for their person when you're doing so. And that's true even in transactions, and these are clearly transactional relationships in this film. And I get the feeling, I mean, the, the film definitely gives you the feeling that uh, St. Joe's and Pignator are uh, uh, less in line with that stricture than, are, than is Luther Bedford. Uh, and Bedford recognizes, I love that part of the film where he says, look, you know, uh, I know Arthur's family had trouble paying the bills over there. But uh, you know what? If Will William Gates's family had trouble paying the bills, uh, 
they'd find a way to get those bills paid. And in fact, that's exactly what happened, right? Mm-hmm. That that family that runs the Encyclopedia Britannica, um, <coughs> they essentially stepped up to pay his bills. And he's, his point is that Arthur Agee, if he was as talented at that same time period as uh, Gates was, they would have found another sponsor to sponsor him as well. Yep. And they would not have used the fact that his family could not afford to pay the tuition as an excuse to get rid of him, right? So uh, he, uh, uh, Arthur moves, moves to Marshall and ends up having a, a pretty good career there and a fulfilled career. And I think it's very interesting, the part of the film toward the end there, where he's having that success and he goes back to St. Joe and visits with the coach and with some of the kids that are still in the school. And you can see how the fortunes have kind of turned between the two. And Arthur's kind of feeling fulfilled and on top of things and like he's a success while Gates is, uh, you know, going through his down period. Um, Very, very compelling film work right there. Um, and again, I think illustri- illustrates well uh, in a very concrete and realistic and compelling way uh, the more abstract point that Immanuel Kant makes that, you know, you should never treat people as mere means to your own ends. Um, I, I think uh, the contrast between the way Marshall and Coach Bedford treats uh, Arthur and with the way Pignator and St. Joe treat uh, William Gates really illustrates that very well. And uh, it brings me to mind because one of the things Gates attends in summer is this big summer basketball camp because he was a high school All-American. Yes. This is his junior year. So all of these college guys show up. You see Rick Pitino probably thinking of some way to illegally recruit him like he does to ever everybody else. There's Bob Knight probably trying to throw a chair at somebody, but <laughs> yeah. there's all these other great names. You yes. see Dickie V, baby. Doing oh, yeah. and he's giving the... them the inspirational speech there, as a matter yeah. of fact. But yeah. then right after that, they get all the black athletes in a room yes. with Spike Lee. Spike Lee. And he sort of gives them the blunt truth. He says, look, you're black. They think you're supposed to be out there committing crimes, mugging women. But because you're good at basketball, they care about you now. If you weren't good at basketball, they wouldn't give give two hoots about you. Yeah. They only care because you're good and you can make them money. Yes. And it's a very cold, blunt truth, even more than Bedford says, I would, yeah, say. I would say. I would say that's correct, too. And what is interesting about that is the fact that that, uh, that scouting combine, this is basically a combine, right? They hired him to do that. They brought him in to do that. They probably paid him a nice honorarium to come in and give that speech. So even though it's true, I I think uh, uh, you'd have to be terribly naive to think it wasn't true. Um, They still, it's almost like, okay, guys, you know, we're going to let him tell you this. This is the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little bit, uh, I have to say, at least in the scouting combine, I I, I have to give them a little uh, uh, credit for being... Uh, more upfront and honest than uh, I think St. Joe's was. I think St. Joe's, you can see those those um, visits with the families in the office when they're really trying to sell them on on uh, coming to St. Joe's. You know, we're going to look out after him no matter what. You know, get him in here. All he has to do is keep up his grades and so forth. That's not the way it happens with Arthur. It is not. 
Yeah, and if there's a looming presence, we talked about it, looming pr- presence over this uh, Gates and AG, it is Isaiah Thomas. Yes. Because St. Joe's sells them so many times that look at this guy. He's on top. He's winning championships. He went to Indiana and won a national champion. He's an NBA, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest of all time. He went to this high school. Yeah. You can be like this too. Yes. And like I said, AJ, he got to play against uh, yeah. Isaiah Thomas in a little one-on-one at that summer basketball camp. So these kids have that uh, presence of Isaiah Thomas. Well, AJ wears a Detroit Pistons jacket, which must have been brave in early 90s Chicago in the yeah. Jordan era. <laughs> yeah, but, right. um, you know, they want to be like him. But it's also like at the end, they don't quite make it. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Neither of them were able to make it to the NBA. Yeah, if I recall correctly, William Gates' son did. If I saw that correctly, I, I, Gates got uh, he Michael Jordan reached out to him yeah. near the end when he was playing with the Wizards and offered him a tryout. But I believe like a week or so, he injured his foot, Gates, yeah. and he just couldn't. Not only does the school, but it's also their family that put so much expectations on them. William Gates, the big one, his brother, Curtis. Yeah. Curtis is older than him. He was a big high school star, and he um, got a scholarship to a four-year university, but he was always had personality clashes with coaches, and he didn't receive any playing time, so he never got to be the guy everybody expected him to be in high school. Yeah. So you watch him. He's critical on Gates, and plays he's not playing like the way he should he's too soft he can play it out there the knee's no big problem he's on there he's living vicariously through his brother for sure and then also with gates we just see briefly but his father who he's almost completely estranged from but once he starts making a name for himself he he Suddenly starts he reaching reappears. out to him. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then but gates is not buying any of it cuz he knows he's just he just sees he can get something out yeah. of it and even on the AG side, his father, Bo, I believe, was also a basketball star when he was young. Yeah. And he's putting his expectations. Like, even when it's his senior year and AG's really breaking out and all these junior colleges are reaching out to him, Bo's basically handling everything. Yeah. And you can say, you know, he was estranged. He is implied that he beat his mother. And there was also, we even see him almost on screen running down a drug dealer to buy drugs. Yes. And you can see that strained relationship, particularly that kind of one-on-one they have in the park. And they're yelling. They're screaming at each other. They don't throw fists, but you can tell it's You can tell it's getting heated. Yeah, Yeah. it's certainly getting heated. And what's very interesting to see is that neither of the the fathers, I think, is aware enough by... by putting all of the almost all of the eggs in the one basket, the basketball basket, to pardon the pun, um, for their sons, that they are not only in Curtis as well. This goes for Curtis as well. They're not only, as it were, repeating the, their own mistakes. They're also almost precluding the sons being able to avoid the same mistakes. If that makes any sense. Um, the mother, I think the mothers are much more mature about things. They're 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 realizing this is an opportunity to take advantage of being recruited by these schools to get a, an education, 
so that you can get out of this circumstance that we have been in, our family has been in, at least for a generation, right? And they really, the, the two the two moms, in particular Arthur's mom. Yeah, Sheila. They, I would say she is really the driving force. She's a driving she gets that family because yeah. we see even in the movie that their power in their house is being cut off. Like, they're, you know, her husband, she has to deal with an abusive husband who divorces her and also becomes addicted to drugs. And he comes in and out constantly yeah. throughout that family. Yeah. We see her because she's also trying to help her get money and work. She gets a nursing degree. And one of the more lighthearted, good moments of the movie is when she gets that graduate degree. And her friend says, oh, by the way, you have the highest GPA out of all the yeah. graduating class. And it's a great little ceremony, great. great little victory for yeah, her. She she's, gets so emotional about that. Uh, but she, she realizes the, 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 the way out with the greatest probability of success and a realistic uh, probability of success is the way, the way of education. I mean, uh, the two, the two, the two fathers just and Curtis. I also, I think, just don't realize the extent to which that they're putting way too much uh, 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 hope into the uh, uh, the basketball um, basket. I mean, she, they she's more concerned with his grades than his yes. basketball ability. Yeah. She cheers him on. I always love it when when they're having that run, and she's. Like, oh, I like being the underdog. They don't expect anything of us. We're going to whip their butts. And yeah. She's cheering them on. But, but she's realistic. But she, she says, you need to get your grade. She rides him because she knows, like, you got to graduate. And it's, what I like about that, her graduation ceremony, she says, unlike some people I know, I don't need somebody to give, get a kick in the pants. I do something, I set out and finish it. That's right. You know, she's a great character. <laughs> and uh, really, I think, illustrative of the, the difference in maturity level between the males and the females in this <laughs> film. Uh, and, you know, it it's just makes good strategic sense. She's looking out for the future of her, of her sons. And, you know, look, when I'm long gone, uh, what will put him in the better position to be able to support himself, succeed and, and, and raise a family himself? Well, clearly it's going to be the education. Yeah, there's a chance that it'll become an NBA star, but that's approximately about the same chance as winning a lottery ticket. So I've got to uh, encourage them to be realistic. Yes, we're going to take advantage of this school, just like they're taking advantage of my son uh, to get that education. And you can't, you cannot blame her for that at all. And I think that adds a, a, a lot of poignancy to her anger at that part of the film when St. Joe's basically tells Arthur, we're cutting you loose. She's justifiably angry there. And, and I think she realizes that, you know, if he had been at that talent level of uh, uh, William, they would have found a way. But no, they just found it much easier to just cut him loose, create a space, maybe get another talented guy that's above Arthur. And what's doubly ironic about it, I think, is that Arthur ends up having quite a successful athletic career toward the end there. I mean, you're watching you're watching the, the they senior regionals. year games and, man, he's outstanding. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he's going, Yeah. Take that, St. Joe, you know. (laughs) I do one of the nice touching little moments in the movie is after Gates suffers that heartbreaking loss in his senior year. That's when uh, A.G. goes back to St. Joe's. He consoles him after the game. And if there was one complaint I had with this movie, I would have liked to have seen A.G. and Gates interact with each other more. I don't know if whether location or whether that would have been possible, but just have a little conversation, have them talk through what they're going through yeah. each and see what their experience is. That would have like. been great. And there was just enough of it there, like a taste of it, and you really wanted to see that. Maybe they go back to one of their homes, they sit down and they talk about 
well, what have you been doing for three years? Uh, here's what I've been doing. And it really is touching watching him watch uh, William in that last game, too. You know, just great, great film. Again, great filmmaking. It's a, the power of longitudinal documentary, I, I don't think, can be overstated. Yeah, and we've been, since we've been talking about that, you talked earlier about that guy, Earl Smith, who does the recruiting for the high schools. Yeah. And, you know, we also mentioned Spike Lee. He did a basketball movie called... Um, he Got Game, which actually stars Ray Allen, but that's about this big high school star who's being recruited by everybody. And uh, his father, Denzel Washington, is a convict. He's let out of prison because the warden there is uh, alumni of this prestigious university, and he's trying to convince his son to wow. go there. Yeah, But it's, it kind of talks about his recruiting in basketball even more dirtier, whether it's high school, whether it's middle school to high school or high school to college is it dirtier than football because like i said it has a cameo from rick patino i don't know how that guy is still allowed to coach yeah he's won championships but he gets recruiting violations almost everywhere he goes john calipari the same thing you get it's like i think i just saw on the news that there's another school that's being investigated north carolina had that whole fake class scam yeah i mean you just wonder it's like is it dirtier Is it than worse football? than football? I mean, uh, you, you do you do have to wonder about that. But I, I guess it's a testament to modern times. And as as much as I've uh, uh, you know been a sports fan, uh, I'm not frankly shocked that that it goes on at the college level. But what was powerful about this film was. First, it's taking you back to the late 80s and early 90s. Second, it's as cynical. You use the word dirty. I will use the word cynical. And transactional. I'll use that term again. At the high school level, (laughs) as it is at the college level. Now, at the college level, I think, you know, the people that engage in these kinds of things can rationalize it away to some extent because the, uh, the people they're attempting to recruit are at least legally, adults. They're 18 or older, right? Uh, well, you can't, you can't use that excuse with um, ninth graders, 13, 14, 15-year-olds as you're scouting and trying to talk their families into coming to schools and making promises to them that you know, in, in, at least in some cases, you're not going to completely fulfill. Um, so that's what really shocked me. I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, basketball recruiting is but cynical and dirty at the college level. Certainly football is. We all know that. And to some extent, I was aware of it in high school football, particularly in Texas. But, uh, wow, uh, I did not know the extent of it in basketball at that with that young cadre of players. It's just amazing. All right, so getting close to the end of my questions, one thing I did also want to bring up because – The day we are recording this, the Oscars are on tonight. This film, not only did it not win Best Documentary for that year, it wasn't even nominated, which I think is absolutely insane. This is always on the list of greatest documentaries ever made. Apparently, the the list, a lot of people voted for this, but because some people gave it like a certain 0 out of 10 or 2 out of 10, particularly because another thing they worked on, wanted they wanted to win, yeah. and that's why it wasn't even included on the list of nominees is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And that is why I think the Oscars is a 
load of you-know-what. Yeah, I'll just say that. It's, it's thoroughly political. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds. For each episode, I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at cinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying, send it in, big fella.